You know, I, I bring you greetings this morning uh, because we serve a good, good God. And even though I may have been running a little bit behind, I can get excited this morning because he woke me up. And he said, Sharon, I, I need to use you one more time. And whenever God wants to use me, I get excited. Because the truth is, I don't deserve to be used. <laughs> that's the truth. We may not want to hear it, but that's the truth. <laughs> and so when my father says, I want to use you one more time, or I have another mission for you, or I have another project for you, or I need to send you here, I get excited. Because I love being on an adventure with my Lord. Because it's never the same thing. I never get bored. You know, every person that I come in contact is different. Every one of them may have the same situation, but in a different way. And so God allows me to use the gifts that he has given me to bless them. He works through me. And I get excited when he chooses me as the person that he wants to work through. <laughs> I think we all should get excited this morning. Because here's the deal. There are four things I know without even getting into the theological feel of it. And everybody's like, huh? Here's some basic things that I do know that I serve a God that's great. <laughs> that I serve a God and pray to a God that's glorious. <laughs> and I know I serve a God that even in the times that I do not deserve, he is good. <laughs> we serve an awesome God. Today, I'm coming to you with an awesome story of communion. May not be the same way that's been offered to you in the past, but it's a true story. One that we sometimes forget. The title of my sermon is Worship the Good Father. Worship the good father. Now, in a lot of our minds, that may mean a lot of different things. <laughs> but when we have that intimate relationship with God, worshiping our father is on the list and at the top, number one. Because when we haven't seen or heard from our Father, if we think we haven't seen or heard from our Father, we should be worried. We shouldn't just go on like things as usual. Because the reality is, he is there by our side all the time, so if we cannot feel or hear him, 
there's a wall and we need to be worried. And typically, he didn't put up the wall. <laughs> Something we did put up the wall. Because we serve a good God, a gracious God, a great God. You know, um, I'm quite sure y'all sung this this morning because I asked Jeff about it, but I don't know if we've ever really listened to these words. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to read the whole song, but there were some key things in this song that I wanted to repeat to you because it's going to set that tone for this morning. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they, what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good God. You're a good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Yes, it's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide. But I know we're all searching. You're not the only one out there searching. Everyone is searching in a different way. For answers only you provide. We can't get it from anyone else. We can't get it from Buddha. We can't get it from all these other gods. We only can get it from the Father. Because you know just what we need <laughs> before we say a word. I like a father like that. He knows what I need before it comes out of my mouth. He reads my every thought. He knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows how big my feet are, how big my ears are. He knows where blood is flowing through my body. He knows if I have 10 toes or five toes. He knows this because he poured himself into us. And he sees us as perfect. He sees us as his child. And he wants the best for us. You're a good father. Yes, he is. Can we all say that this morning? That he is a good father? Because the truth is, he is the only real example we have of a good father. Because he's perfect. That fathership is what every man should look at as an example to strive towards. Every husband should be looking at that example to strive towards. 
every daddy should be looking at a, that example to strive towards. Every male teenager should be looking at that example to strive for. When they are wanting to be a father. Women can look at it too. Because here's the deal. Through his example, he showed you how you should be treated. Through his example and the stories that he's forward to us, he has showed us what we can be and what we should be and how we can change lives of many. That we don't have to be held back. As long as we are following his word, you can go to the end of the earth and do what you want. There is no reason why any woman anywhere should feel like that they can't do something. Because we serve a good God, a mighty God, a great God, a gracious God. And if you put him first, and women hear this clearly, if your husband put God first, you have a great God, a great great husband. Don't get upset because he wants to go do stuff with the men's fellowship. Don't get upset because he wants to be first at church. Don't be upset because he wants to go to Sunday school. Don't be upset because he wants to be a mentor to a teenager. You should be shouting hallelujah. Let's dive into the word this morning even more. Now that we've agreed that we serve this magnificent God, we're going to go to John 13, 1 through 20. We'll start there, but we're going to be going other places. So if you got it on your phone, make sure you can move it around quick. Okay, <laughs> but uh, let's go. John 13, 1 through 20 says, and I'm going, uh, it may be a different, a different version, but that's okay. It's all the same word, okay? <laughs> John 13, 1 through 20. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of his world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, doing supper when the devil had all, already put it into the heart of Judas um, Azekot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He, let's see here, I messed up here, okay. He laid aside his outer garment and talked, I mean, took, and took a towel and tried and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet 
and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And people don't get scared. I'm not going to make everybody wash each other's feet. Don't get scared, okay? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if, if, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> I love Jesus. He says, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. Now, before I go any further, for those that don't realize this, and, you know, we can't take for granted that everybody knows, okay? But even though they took baths and stuff, they traveled everywhere by foot, and they used sandals. So when they get to a table for food, uh, typically there's a servant somewhere that will wash their feet because they're so awful, okay? And so what Jesus was showing here is that He's going to be the servant tonight. He's going to wash their feet tonight. Okay? So that's where we're going, okay? But is completely clean. So he's told Peter that if he's taken a bath already, all Jesus needed to do was wash his feet, and that will make him completely clean unless there's a little bit a little more problems inside do you understand okay <laughs> and you are clean but not every one of you so he was calling somebody out in the room okay <laughs> he said every one of y'all are not clean after I wash your feet okay for he knew who was to betray him that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Most people wouldn't. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. That's a command. That's a command. It's not about washing the feet. It's about serving each other. And it's a command. It's not a suggestion. <laughs> okay? It's not a maybe. <laughs> when I have time, it's a command. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant 
is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So if you know it, do it. (laughs) Isn't that like a father? It reminds me it reminds me of when a teenager is going out with their friends and um, their father has said, I want you home by a certain time. Now, if it's a date, it's even worse because the father has prepped the son or daughter like weeks in. Be home by this time. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't this. do this. So you've been told. And you've been told multiple times and if they're my mom you have been lectured it's like okay do you rather that I don't go because I'm tired of hearing you lecture okay now I love my mom don't get me wrong okay she's taught me a lot of things but there are some parents that lecture okay and if they lecture you definitely should know <laughs> what to do and why they're telling you to do it I want to get back to my place. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Hint, hint. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heels against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I sent receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So when you go out, it doesn't matter if you're in the grocery store. (laughs) If you're received, they receive God. And I'm not trying to do any spooky, gooky stuff. I'm saying if you go out with the intention to give the message to someone, pray for someone, The heart is there. God's going to jump through that door. God's not going to wait around. (laughs) Okay? God is there. Jesus washing the feet of the disciples occurred in the upper room and has significance in three ways. And here they are. For Jesus, it was displaying of his humanity and his servanthood. For the disciples, the washing of the feet was in direct contrast to their heart attitude. Contrast to their heart attitude at that time. For us, washing feet is a symbol or symbolic role in the body of Christ. So, Basically, the hearts of the disciples weren't 
hearts of servants at that time. Their hearts were like some of the, and, and, and yeah, I'm going to step on some toes, um, like the hearts of some of the, the big pastors that, that you see that come with their whole posse behind them. You don't even really see them a lot of times. All you see is this mug group, and you're like, where is that pastor that's supposed to speak? That's the heart. They're not going to be touching anybody's feet. They're not going to be servant. Their profession is preaching. It's not a call anymore. It's a profession. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay? And there is a difference between a person that has taken this on as a profession compared to a person that has taken this on because they're called to it. There's a lot, there's even a lot of pastors that are great at preaching, very animated, okay, very get your attention, okay, and they're paid for that. But that doesn't mean that they're going to call you when you're sick. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't mean that they're going to um, be the person that does your wedding. Okay, that doesn't mean that they're the ones that um, when your child is in the hospital that you get to call them. There's a difference. There's a difference. But they quickly saw that there needed to be a heart change. Because if this man that they're so excited about, this man that they are worshiping is bending down and touching their feet and washing their stinky, dirty feet, their heart has to change. Because that's not even in their mind. They don't see it for what it is. And it's called the heart of servanthood. When you're a leader, you are a servant leader when it's in the church, when it's for the church, when it's for Jesus Christ. You're a servant leader. And there is a major difference. There is. We have to remember that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. That's why everybody was all confused if he was really the king. This man was not born in, in, in a mansion or anything like that. He was born, our king, our savior was born in a barn. He, that right there should have told everybody something was going to be different. He came to serve and to give life as a ransom for many. The humanity expressed by his act with the towel and basement foreshadowed his ultimate act of humanity and love on the cross. I don't know about you, church, but 
if someone got up on a cross for me and was beaten for me, I knew that he wasn't a regular king. He wasn't a regular person. That this person actually thought different from anybody I knew. Because the reality is we're hard-pressed to find somebody that's not in our bloodline that would die for us today. Shoot, in some families it's hard-pressed to find a family member that would die for us today. Let's get real. But we're talking about this was an innocent person. Didn't even sin while they were here. But see, that person had a mission. Their father had sent them to save the rest of his children. So he knew what his orders were. I don't know about you today, but as a human, when somebody slaps me, when somebody stabs me in the back, when someone, you know, gives me the stink eye because I'm African-American, it's hard for me to look at them, to say everything's okay. I have to go to God first. I don't know about y'all, but it's really hard for me. I'm going to tell y'all a little story, and I'm not going to go too long because I got a lot more to cover. But I've always been in the ministry in some way or form. But five years ago, I was in a church and I was just sitting on the back row. I just wanted to receive from God. I didn't even want to be seen. I just wanted to be on the back row just to receive. God gave me a year of that. And he said, okay, it's time. Something's going to happen and it's time. And of course, I'm like, God, I ain't ready. God said, you're ready. Okay? And so the next thing I know through a series of events, of my bishop said, Sharon, I need you to interim at this church. And I said, of course. I'll, inter I'll intern at this church. This church I love. I've worshiped beside these people. I've served beside these people. You know, uh, you know when, when there's been something wrong in my family, you know, the pastor that has been here has been praying for me and everything. I, I'll do it. I'll be the interim person. You know, I thought that was all to it. You know, and the bishop said, okay, your responsibility is to get the budget right. You know, sell what needs to be sell. Break, break everything down. I need your help. And I was like, oh, sure, no big deal. And I need you to preach as well. I said, okay, no big deal. Six months went by. The pastor came back to me, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting in the car with him. We were on our way to something else, to a meeting or something. And he looks at me. He said, are you ready to take your position? And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I think you're the one to take this church over. And I said, huh, give me a day to think about it. And so I went to God, and God said, yes, it's time. And, I, and so I went back to him. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I remember it as clear as day. It was December, and, uh, and we were having a Christmas party, and the bishop shows up, and the bishop said, I got some great, exciting news for you guys. And, you know, and I knew what he was going to say um, and stuff, but, you know, I wasn't going to tell anybody else because that wasn't my place to say that, you know. 
And so he shows up, and he's excited. He's telling. He said, I got some news for you guys. And he announced that, you know, I had agreed to take the position. I want to tell you guys something. Those people that I was worshiping beside, that I was praising the Lord beside, those people that said they would be there for me no matter what, half of them lost their mind. Okay? And here's why. Half of them were prejudiced, and I didn't know it. You mean that black girl is going to take position in this church? It was like I saw people I never saw, and I was standing beside them, like for years, praising the Lord beside them. I'm just being real with you today. We have to have this intimate, intimate relationship with God because things like that will mess you up. Things like that will shake your faith. It is so important that we have this special, intimate relationship with God. And here's the thing. Your relationship with God is different from my relationship with God. Because guess what? Every child of God has a different relationship, but it's still special. But I, I go on to tell you that I stuck in there. Some people left the church. Some people came to the church. Some people stuck in there. And some people were like, why are they upset? I mean, it's not like you haven't been pretty much leading the church for six months already. And you've done a great job. You know, people didn't even realize why they were upset. <laughs> you know, and people that were in the room didn't even realize that half of their church were prejudiced until the people openly said it. You know, when, when, when Satan can't stand it anymore, even the things that you have been covering for Satan will come out of your mouth. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so we saw 80-year-old people having temper tantrums in the middle of the floor. Okay? We, had, we saw 70-year-old people just slamming the table. I don't want that black woman here in my church. It wasn't that I was a woman. It was because I was black. We have to have an intimate, real relationship with God because people, incidents, situations will shake your world. Let's move on. But I have to tell you, I don't want to leave that story like that. That, that church ended up growing into their purpose. The God showed that that church will be a missional church. After four years, God said, okay, I need you to do something in Northern Virginia. Because I had been committed and God had put me there. God went to my bishop and said, I'm not going to pick a person to take your church. I'm going to let you pick a person to take your church because you have been a good and faithful servant. I picked a couple. 
Well, I didn't pick the couple, by the way. I, it was totally different. It blew my bishop's mind. Here's what I did. I said, God, this is what I know the church needs. I didn't say what the church wants. I said what the church needs. And there is a difference. And so I told God what the church needs. He already knew it, but just for me to vocalize it always helps. And so I did that. And God brought the face of the pastors that he wanted to take the position. I went to them. They were shocked. But here's the deal. They carried on the purpose of the church. In that whole year, they were communicating with me and things like that. And I could hear and see the church growing into their missional DNA their purpose, because every church has a specific purpose. And although it's to share and make disciples, some churches have specialties. And this church is a mission. This church, their heart is being on mission wherever they go. And so that church grew to a point and got for and 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 that pastor came to me one day even though the situations up in northern virginia i was starting to look for a different position that pastor realized that i was going to be looking for a new position and they basically said hey come to lunch with us you know i'm thinking a free lunch i'm going <laughs> you know and so they sat down and they said can you come back in a different position we want you back and, you know, I thought about it, and I said, look, I know what the mission of the church was when I left, but I want you to share with me what your vision is for this church. What is the church's vision? And as they were sharing with me the church's vision and how it even had even evolved even more, still on that missional track, but evolved even more, the DNA was even stronger. I started thinking about, other facilities that I knew about that were open because again my bishop who thought I had been a great servant had been sharing with me had told me hey I want you I know you want to come and move somewhere else can you get your portfolio ready because there's churches that are going to be opening up and I want to present your portfolio to them and so what we did was I, when they started sharing the the vision I said, hey, you know what, I, I know a facility that there's, it's going to be open soon. Why don't we put a proposal together, both of us, and present it to our bishop? Here's how God moves, guys. When you are being a faithful servant and you're listening and that relationship is strong, this is what God did. We went into our bishop and basically um, we said, hey, this is the proposal we have. You know, we know it's probably going to take a month for you to get back to us, but we just want to know, is there even any chance? You know, and he looks at us with tears rolling down his face, and he said, the building is yours. We just, we just follow God. And so now we have a community center, the Surge Center, coming alive to transform a community. But guess what, if, it did, if I did not stick in there and take and turn my head, okay, and just follow God, even though there was persecution for no reason at all, 
this will never, this, we wouldn't have gotten here. We got to have that intimate relationship. We, 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 if nothing else, in all chaos, and all confusion, hold on to your relationship with the Lord. Moving on. Probably took too much time there, but I didn't want to leave it like that. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Now here, as I was preparing for this sermon, here's something, a light bulb that came on when I read this passage that I just shared with you. <laughs> if the foot washing was the setup to prepare our hearts for what Jesus is going to do next, okay? I want you to start thinking about this. If the foot washing, the act of servanthood, okay, is a setup for us to move in a humble state which will allow us to connect with God in a real, authentic, supernatural way. Church, you may not understand what I'm about to say, but if we are proclaiming that we are a follower of Christ, we need to understand the servanthood thing that Jesus speaks about because it's an act of caring for others even when they may not know our name. Servanthood is a command. It's not a maybe. It's an act of worship, just like music. When we get in this house of worship, we are waiting for the music to start, and we're, we're like, we're ready to worship. Servanthood is an act of worship. It's part of the, the, it's part of the, whole, um, part of the whole communion thing. But guess what? We don't ever really talk about servanthood like that, being a heart of worship. And, you know, some of us may even say, what do you mean, Pastor? We, we all serve here. We're, we're followers of Christ. We all serve. Here's the deal, guys. I talk to many, many pastors. And one thing they always tell me is it's the same few that serve in the church. It doesn't matter if they have 30 people on roster in their church or, or 1,500. They always are looking for people with a servant heart because there's not enough that, that has not been taught, that has not been thrown into our DNA enough that we do it. We got to get real today. Ain't no need of feeling just really fuzzy and good all the time because the real deal is that our God, our, our Jesus came and he felt pain, but he did it because he loved us, okay? And if servanthood is an act of worship, we all need to treat it that way. It's an act of worship. I'm going to give you an example today. I had an international student who I loved. I still love her today. And we call on the phone and, and talk even more. But here's the deal. She had a young man 
same culture. She was Korean, okay? And um, she was a strong Christian. He wasn't. So as a follower of Christ, I warned her about that. And I said, hey, you know what? But here's the deal. This guy was a nice guy. Even, I mean, I would have had to go to the Lord many times on this one. This guy was a nice, nice guy. He, he loved her with all his heart. But, and he didn't mind going to church. It's just, it didn't never, it hadn't clicked. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of like, I'm doing it because she wants to do this. I love her and I'm doing it because she wants to. He was honest, but he was a real nice guy. And, but here's the thing. We all know niceness is not going to get us in heaven. We, everybody know that, right? I just want, you know, I may not be your pastor, but I need to do tell you that. Nice. Okay, so, but anyway, <laughs> but here's the deal. The burden of him being a Christian was so strongly on her heart. You know, not only had I told her, but I could tell God was really like on her. They got married, okay? And I said, well, where are y'all going for your honeymoon? She said, oh, God's already told me, told me, we're going on a missions trip. Okay? She takes him on this missions trip to a place, they're in a village. They have, one of the villages, one of the villages has, like, you know, satanic stuff going on. And they have this, you know, Christian mission team going in there, trying to change lives and all this stuff, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wonder with how this is going to work out. And I was praying for them the whole time they were gone. And guess what? When he came back, he was saved. He was, he was saved. God had used servanthood to draw him closer to him. We, some of us don't believe that God will use a non-Christian, but I've seen God use some non-Christians. And in this situation, God used his servanthood. And as he was using his servanthood, he drew closer to God. He drew closer to God. And he got saved in the middle of the wilderness in villages. You know, his team prayed. The, the, the salvation prayer with him. He acknowledged that he believed God. And not that they forced him at any point. He went to the leader and said, look, can I talk to you? Okay? He didn't have to go to the leader, okay? He went to the leader, and the leader led him in the salvation prayer. God radically changed him through servanthood. Because it's an act of worship. We're all on a mission for God. Things that we do as we go from place to place, we can worship God by the way we behave, by the things we do. Because if we walk around on mission, if we are at work and we're on mission, we can worship God. So here's my question after making those statements and telling you that story. Why don't all proclaiming Christians activate the blessing of servanthood? Why don't we all activate the blessing of servanthood? <laughs> you know, and it, it's one of those questions that hits you in the face. 
because you never think about it or you deny it. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're like hiding underneath the bush, you know? Why don't you activate the worship of serving him? You don't have to have a gift to do it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to have the spiritual gifts to do it. It's just, it's an act of worship. Let me hear you along. The reality is, is when we serve in the name of God, it is the act of worship to the Father. It, it was so important that it was communicated more than one way to us. It was communicated. Our Father showed us how to serve because he did something real nasty. I mean, he washed these guys' feet, okay? So he showed us how to serve. Okay, then he had the, had the Holy Spirit go and people write it in the Bible and create the, the Bible to show us again. Okay, our Father gave us authority to go out and be a servant. So he's, he's, he, he's showing us, he's, he's writing it down, he's gave us activation that if we would be available, he would use us. When we do an act of worship. The book of James shares with us in 4.8, 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalms even goes further and says, Psalms 95.6 says, oh come let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. If these things are in the Bible, they're true. The Last Supper was very significant because Jesus showed his disciples he was about to become a Passover lamb of God. His blood would open the door to freedom. We're free today. We, I know some people don't feel like they're free, but if we walk with the Lord, have that relationship with the Lord, we are free today and we can feel it. His followers would exchange slavery to sin and death for eternity, eternal, excuse me, eternal life in God's kingdom. He was showing them. He wrote it down for us. And then he gave us authority that we can walk in it too. Unlike baptism, which is a one-time event, Communion is a practice meant to be observed over and over throughout the follower of Christ's life. It is a holy time of worship. To be more specific, it is a special time when we corporately come together as one body to remember and celebrate what Christ did for us. It's a worship time. The word worship has several different meanings, but as a follower of Christ, we are referring to the Hebrew word derash, meaning seek, search out, Ask, follow, or pursuit specifically to worship. 
So when we come to this table, it's an act of worship. We're pursuing God. We are trying to be in a relationship with our Father as we move to this table and be involved with these elements. It is like that he is here with us. He is here with us, by the way. Do we know that? He lives in us. And so we are in pursuit of a more intimate relationship with him as we move and take these elements. So when we come to the table, we should have an attitude and heart of worship. We should worship in remembrance of Christ and all that he has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 11.24 says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He wants us to remember this. He doesn't want us to forget it. He wants us to remember it all the days of our lives. We should worship in faith, proclaiming his death until he comes. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26 says. When we take, we're proclaiming who Jesus is. We should step into the worship with a transparent heart, a heart of personal examination. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, some people get scared right here. They don't want nobody to see that they're not taking communion. It's this easy. Father God, I messed up. I want to be in an intimate relationship with you. I want to take the elements to pull me even into a deeper relationship with you. I love you, Lord, but I did mess up. Please forgive me for my sins. That's all you had to do. If you mean it. If you don't mean it, don't play with God, because you're going to mess yourself all up, okay? <laughs> we should worship together, embrace our participation in the body of Christ. His life becomes our life, and we become members of each other. It, and, and 1 Corinthians says, 10 10, 16 through 17 says, Is not the cup thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And in not the bread that we bake, I mean, that we break, mm, we want to bake it, okay, break a participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of one loaf. Church, we serve a good God. He wants us to worship with him.
Today is a special day because we get to worship our Father openly, any day, anytime. We get to worship our Father. We get to worship through prayer, amen? We get to worship through music. We do. We get to worship through serving. We get to worship through our tithe and offering. Hallelujah. We get to worship through art. We get to worship through dance. Because our Father loves dancing. I mean, it was referred in the Bible that he went to weddings and there was dancing. He, we get to worship through Holy Communion. We get to worship through our spiritual gifts. I don't know if any of you guys have identified those things in you, but I will encourage you to use them. We serve a mighty God, and he deserves all the praise. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to pray over the elements today. And we're going to have communion. I want you to, to look at your heart. And I want you to look at this as an act of worship. Some of you may have been taught that it's an act of worship. Some of you just maybe thought, okay, it's just another formality at church, like the business meeting. But it isn't. It's an act of worship. And when we approach, we should approach as we're worshiping. If you need to get your heart straight with God before you come up, take the time. Pray the prayer I did. Pray your own prayer. But when we go forth, we should have a heart of worship. Our heart should be I'm taking this in remembrance of the Father, in remembrance of what he did for me, in remembrance that I want this awesome relationship with my Father. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, as we come forth, I ask that these elements are blessed and multiplied over and over again. That as they are protected, dear Lord, that there be a seed that takes up in their heart. That you are there. That this week, dear Lord, that they will have more time to reflect on communion as an act of worship. That they can do this and know that you are blessed by it. In Jesus' name.